Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal, and on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Tonight, we're joined by uh, Mason Acobelas, four-time state California State MMA champion. Uh, Mason, welcome back to the show. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me again. So Mason, what's up, man? What's the latest with you? I, I know you. Uh, you said you were gonna have a, a more focused direction on going pro. Uh, where are we at with that? Uh, well, I wasn't really ready until I got the state title, and I didn't even know I was gonna fight for it till like a week out. Um, and I got it done. So, um, just trying to figure out a good, a good date and organization for my pro debut. Um, my coach Sam Alvey has been talking to me about possibly cage wars in January. Hmm. Um, I don't have an opponent yet or anything or a date exactly, but um, right now I'm just focusing on getting ready for January. So uh, last we spoke, we've spoken to you a couple times. Um, you had your fighting tough enough, which was didn't quite go your way, but since then you've picked up a couple two more uh, championships. Is that correct? One for uh, yeah. Spar, Spar Star and the other one for uh, California Fight League. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got a. Both of those fights actually, I only had a week to train for. Um, I was having like a lot of trouble finding opponents and could never get a fight and was getting like unmotivated, you know, not training as hard as I should have been, but I got a call week, 10 days out for both of those fights. Um, accepted it, of course, and uh, won them both. So pretty happy about it. Two wins in two months and uh, time to go pro. Absolutely, man. I mean, I remember you saying that was a frustration you had the last time we spoke too with the, uh, I don't want to say shadiness, but just uh, the uncertainty of, of having opponents, especially with all the time you put in. So, um, I mean, uh, when do you think you'll be making the move with uh, Cage Warriors? Uh, I know there's a card end of January and end of February. Um, just depending on opponents, whichever one I can get matched up on, uh, I'll be ready to go for both. So, um, obviously, I want to do it sooner than later. Um, stay active. You know, I don't want to take too much time off and get ring rust. So just ride the momentum back in, and hopefully uh, end of January is, is time. Were both of the last two wins at 135 pounds? Yeah, they were. And no no injuries suffered in this last one from a couple weeks ago? No, nah, but it was a, it was a pretty, uh, pretty violent fight. Took a, took a few shots, so nothing, nothing major, but I probably lost a few brain cells. Well, you're young enough that I, I think you'll get some back before you your next fight. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> the uh, is the beard new? I mean, I, I know Matt sees you more than I do. I feel like that wasn't that wasn't on the last time you were on. Uh, I usually keep it trimmed, but uh, just letting it grow out a little bit. I actually just got a haircut like an hour ago. My friend uh, Amir cut my hair, got me a pretty nice. Awesome. So, uh, anything changed in your training over the last couple fights, or are you pretty much sticking to the same game plan you had before? Um, I just try and improve. I mean, 
I'm not really changing my training uh, much, just trying to get better at every aspect of the game. Um, I got great coaches. Five of my six coaches have all fought in the UFC, so I know I'm learning for the best. I uh, just got to stay the course and um, be consistent is all. That's the biggest thing. Is uh, is a, As far as consistency and keeping up with uh, the competition at, at the stage that you're at, which is kind of like – I, I mean, you're still young and, and early in your career, so mm-hmm. is it is it difficult to have, to have the consistent level of uh, readiness, I guess, that, that you, especially with the cancellations and stuff you're dealing with? Yeah, it's mostly mental than anything. I mean, I never stop training, but obviously when you get a fight, you're going to, you know, start doing the, the little things that really matter, you know, cleaning up the diet, doing that, that extra round or two, um... And like when I'm getting fights on a week notice, it's it sucks because I want that time to prepare prepare to my 100%. But um, I never stop training, so I know I'm always ready to go. Um, it's just a mental thing, honestly. I know one of the earlier times we talked to you, there was always issues about what fight or what weight your fight was going to be at. I know you said these last two were at 135 pounds. Uh, when I saw you at the gym prior to this last fight, you were cutting some weight. Uh, with the short notice, how much are you having to cut? Uh, I walk around like 150 on the dot, so about 15 pounds. Sometimes a little lighter, sometimes a little heavier. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not fun cutting the weight, especially uh, as amateurs in California. We weigh in the same day of the fight, so mm-hmm. it makes it a lot harder. Um, you kind of want to diet a little more than you want to cut because you, you don't want to feel like shit on the day of the fight because you don't have a lot of time to to rehydrate and stuff so i try to like slowly do it but as a pro um keep the size on so when i cut down i can gain it back and and uh be bigger hopefully because i know the the pros are a lot bigger than the amateurs for sure i would think that like taking the short notice fight so i mean i, I hope that taking these short notice fights like this and being able to make the weight that they ask and stuff is something that that attaches a reputation that attaches itself to you when you're trying to market yourself out to these uh, bigger promotions. Um, only reason I'm saying that is because sometimes I'll do a, a catch weight or something like that. But if you're making the weight that they want, that's got to be a, a great way to market yourself out to these, to these bigger promotions. No? Yeah, I agree. I think it's professional to to make weight. I mean, that's that's part of the sport. As amateurs, they say it doesn't matter as much because we're not getting paid, but, um, you know, it's preparing us for the pros. And if you don't make weight, you know, that comes out of your, your person. I definitely don't want that. So, and it's a, it's a respect thing too. Like if I'm making weight, my opponent should make weight, you know, if he doesn't make weight when I did, you know, that's going to piss me off, you know, and it's, and it's a sport, it's respect. If I make weight, you should make weight. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. how it should go. No, I agree a hundred percent. How did you gauge like your strong your strongest weight class for you to compete at? Because uh, so there's guys I train with that want to do like 155, but they've been finding that that's too heavy for them. So how did you figure out what weight class is best for you? Uh, I just listen to my coaches. They tell me what weight class they think I should be, and I and I listen. I I fought at three different weight classes: 130, 35, and 45. Mm. And I feel great at 45 because I don't have to cut weight, but 
those guys are way bigger than me, so I don't plan on staying there. But with the with the change in, you know, having to weigh in the same day, now that I'll have a full day to recover as a pro, I think I'm just going to be that much better at 35. Speaking of pros, your coach, Sam Alvey, were you at the gym when he broke his hand? I was not there, actually, but I heard about it. Um, I saw him today. He's got a cast on. Pretty unfortunate because we were all looking forward to that fight. I think he matches up well with Shogun. I think he would have put him away for sure. You also had mentioned that you were uh, you were the number one ranked bantamweight um, in California. Is that um, is that an actual ranking by uh, uh, gosh, who, what is it? Uh, Camo? Is that is that the organization? Yeah, yeah, that's so, the California Athletic Mixed Martial Arts organization or amateur organization. Yeah, whoever holds the title holds the number one spot, and that's me yeah, right now. I guess that's true. So you you were telling me you got uh, you got what four title belts and then your epic uh, knockout of the night trophy going in your yeah. cabinet right now. They're all on my shelf in my room and it looks great. <laughs> oh, you need to start putting pictures of that stuff up on Twitter or something, man. I mean, all, uh, every every time I see your tweets, it's either talking about even out uh, eating avocados or or something just random like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to scare everyone away because no one's gonna want to fight me. <laughs> I'm in the closet. I'll bring them out later when I retire. Well, you talk about California Cage Wars. I know it seems like uh, some of the uh, Quest guys are now going to start fighting for Combate. Uh, I know your uh, teammate Trevor Wells has a fight. I believe it's November 22nd uh, coming up uh, in Fresno. And between that and Bellator, uh, the contacts there, it seems like you've got to, you know, it seems like you're going to end up getting a chance to kind of choose where you want to fight. Yeah, uh, obviously all of those places, uh, I plan on fighting for all of them. Um, just kind of comes with timing, when I'm ready and what shows they have. Um, Cage Wars is in January, so that's looking like the move right now. But uh, I'm definitely excited to fight for Bellator when they come to Pechanga, because that's right down the street for me. And I know Combate has a bunch of uh, shows this year coming up, so I plan on getting on all of them. I'm excited for Trevor. His fight's about three weeks out. Um, I think he's going to absolutely destroy this guy, and can't wait to watch it. Cage Warriors is on Fight Pass, isn't it? No. No, no. Cage Warriors is the old Explode Fight series. They used to have a fairly bad reputation um, for kind of mismatches, but they've really cleaned up their act recently. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and have a, you know, they have a nice little uh, complex they fight in now. Um, and, uh, it's, it's for Derek Anderson, uh, and, uh, a few of the other names, uh, from Escondido, the Southern California area kind of cut their, cut their teeth, uh, in the early pro days. So it, it's, it is better than it used to be. So you're not, you're likely to get a, a solid matchup yeah. there now. All right, cool. I just want to know where I can watch it. If, uh, if, uh, you, you do wind up on the January card. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I don't think they do. They might do a live stream or something. I'm not sure yet, though. I'll keep you guys updated for sure. Please do. Awesome, Mason. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we don't want to keep you Absolutely. too long. We just wanted to get updated. And, uh, again, man, best of luck. And uh, we've been following you for a little over a year now. So we're uh, we're glad to see you're, uh, you're getting that chance to go pro. And 
start putting some uh, professional title belts on that shelf. Yeah, thank you guys very much for having me again. Um, looking forward to the next one. All right, I look forward to seeing you wearing that shirt one of these days too. <laughs> All right, I think yeah. I got it. I think I got it. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. All thank right, you. Brother, take it easy. Uh-huh. Take care. Have a good one. You too. So thanks again for Mason Icobellis joining us, the four-time California State MMA amateur champion. Back to uh, back to us now, Ed. Uh, you know, you, uh, sorry to cut you off. It just hit me now. I don't think I don't think New Jersey has like state amateur championships. I mean, we have Ring of Combat. I mean, not, uh, we have Dead Serious and like other regional things going on for amateur, but there's no state amateur champion. Which is why I feel like, I mean, as much as New Jersey has had a hand in creating like the the unified rules in MMA, uh, California just seems to have has gotten it right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Like he was saying, he's basically the the state champ is the champ of the the amateur organization at that weight class. So, All right. you know, but um, yeah, I think Camo, which is like he said it was the California amateur. Uh, Mixed martial arts organization, I think, is is what it stands for. Uh, I believe does have him ranked at number one. So I wonder if there's an, an am- I wonder if there's an ammo for every state. You know what I mean? <laughs> that there I should be. Know. That would be cool if there was. That would make sense, but yeah. things don't always make sense uh, in, in not, the world that, of MMA. <laughs> you, you got that right. <laughs> so, uh, so man, you uh, you survived a long, grinding. But five days in Connecticut between Connecticut and New York. Four uh, four days because I was uh, so they did the media for Bellator two thirty one two thirty two. Um, they did all the like headliner names in the media day in New York City, in Manhattan, and then uh, I worked. I worked there. That wasn't so rough. Friday was the roughest day, um, but I did survive it. But I'm still. I'm literally like I know I'm behind. I'm sleep. Because uh, the last time I was up almost, I think I was my probably 19 years old when I was up a full 24 hours straight. So yeah, because so Friday you wake up in the morning, you got to get to the weigh-ins, right? And well, that's what, in <laughs> I got theory... a story. I got a story for that. <laughs> so yeah, Friday was the first event, right? So I mean, and and you guys, uh, for the folks listening to follow the podcast, Matt Marzin, Cutman Matt Marzin. Uh, uh, the last time he was on, he had uh, extended the. Uh, the show day roll invite to me, and uh, as I complain about being getting fat when I go cover event coverage, um, and and uh, shout out to Matt Marsden for inviting me to that because this is the first time I come back from an event. Uh, I feel tired, but I don't feel unhealthy because I got to train with him and his wife, and it was really cool. Um, so the reason why it was just us three <laughs> was because uh, so weigh-ins were initially scheduled. The official weigh-ins were initially scheduled for 10 30 eastern time um so i'm thinking cool i can go train and come back and shower and then make it to the weigh-ins um so i walk in there walk into the training room that that they have set up for the fighters to warm up in that matt you know matt's part of all that so he's there his wife is there and, and we're putting our you know getting ready to train and uh, he's like i think it's just going to be us because of the weigh-ins and i'm like no they're not till 10 30 and he goes uh well the guys seemed to leave early then. And I was like, oh, all right. But I didn't think anything of it. So get a good training session in. And then uh, like a solid hour, we just rotated. It was three of us. So it was like 
one person stayed in five minute rounds and you know someone always stayed in for two rounds straight and then uh as i'm leaving now mind you connecticut is uh if you remember sod uh i when sod was on the podcast and he was also on the saturday night card um i said connecticut's a very creepy like mountainous area <laughs> so i'm walking up the norwich turnpike in my gi pants with my gear on my back and my phone rings and it's bellator calling me saying hey are you coming to the weigh-ins and i'm like yeah it's not for another hour and they said no it's right now <laughs> so that's how uh that was the weigh-ins for 232 on the day of 231 and um i made it to the thursday weigh-ins that was, that thursday went great uh so that led me to having to rush and get ready. So by the time I got there, I was there for the ceremonial weigh-ins. But by then, everyone already found out about Chris Lincioni's fight getting canceled because uh, Van Roosmalen was 10 pounds over and all that happened. So that wasn't that. Wasn't that... <laughs> was there uh, was their press release wrong or did you read it wrong? No. So their press release was right. But they're, they're not the one. I mean, and, and mo- folks that, that follow the sport, I know you know this. Um, as, as, as much as a promotion runs things, when it comes to the commission, they kind of have to do what the commission tells them to do. So the commission up and decided, apparently, like late last night, I talked to a commission guy at the ceremonial weigh-ins, and he even said, he was like, they told, he's like, I found out 9.30 p.m. the night before that we had to go an hour earlier than scheduled. And I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm thank I mean, not for nothing, Bellator's PR folk are super cool. So as soon as they found out is when they were calling people, they called me. And so if I, I was actually, I felt privileged because they called me before they called an MMA junkie, which was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's nice of them. But uh, I, I was literally the net two minutes before MMA junkie. And then, you know, because that's a quick phone call. Can you get here? Cool. Just say, this is where it's going to be at. They, they, and they changed the location, too. And I was like, shit. So I went from, like, walking. I went, showered. And by the time, and mind you, I don't have a car, so shuttle wasn't running. So it was by the time I got there, it was over. And I got filled in by the commission guy about the whole Lin Keone, uh, Von Ruth Mullen thing. And sucks because uh, I'm going to upload it. Uh, I was there for MMANews.com, but I'm going to put it on our YouTube channel for the Blogboard uh Blogboard Jungle YouTube channel for this podcast. the The interview I did with Chris Lincioni was was a fire interview. He's that kid's definitely got a career in stand up comedy. If uh, fighting doesn't go his way, but so far he's a pretty good fighter. But um, he hilarious interview, and I was like, well, shit, this guy's fight got canceled, and now I can't use it. So or the the outlet I went I covered for didn't want it after that, and I was like, well. I'm, it's it's on my hard drive, so I'm I'm gonna put it up because it's uh, hilarious. I don't know if you saw he uh he did like a cut cutouts of his own face and was handing them out on the the night of his fight with his weight class on on you know the weight that he made <laughs> and uh yeah it was it's just hilarious. But his opponent was ten pounds overweight, which was I mean that's just kind of fucked up. Yeah. No, I didn't see that, but uh, yeah, that's terrible when the, your opponent misses yeah, weight I, by ten pounds. Yeah, that's... we just heard Mason talking about how I mean, I mean, there's people come from wrestling and stuff; they find that super disrespectful, and uh, it just sucks. Uh, uh, I, 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 he did get a show, you know, his show money, obviously, because it's not, it was not, none of it was his fault. He was ready to go. Yeah, that sucks. So after a long wait, then the card kicks off. Um, 
did anything stand out to you? I mean, obviously Jake Hager with a couple of uh, nut shots uh, truly got his MMA career started with a, a no contest. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, anything on the, the main card jump out at you uh, while you were there? For for two thirty one or two thirty two? Yeah, yeah, for Friday night's card. For Friday, I mean, uh, for the main card, obviously. So Jake, if you saw the post fight uh, uh, interview that he did afterwards, where where he said that he he thinks Anthony Garrett just just kind of wanted a paycheck and didn't want to be in there, because um he he said he said and uh you can and this video is on MMAnews.com's uh, YouTube channel, and um he said that uh he didn't feel a cup. He didn't. He he felt he hit the inner thigh, uh, and not that hard for for it to be like. Because if you get, if I don't know if you've ever taken a shot really hard on your inner thigh close to your groin, it hurts almost just as bad. But not that it's not fight ending. I've had it done. It's not fight ending. So he was under the impression that Anthony Garrett was just kind of there to get the paycheck under you know, with his name. However, what stood out to me was that he said. <clears throat> Hager said he thought that uh, you know he got the experience with the striking. Um, I kind of thought he took more shots than when when they were exchanging before they clinched, and the, all that groin stuff happened. Um, I, I didn't think he did well strike. I actually thought Garrett landed, and uh, before before the clinch happened. So I don't know. I mean, he might want to work on his stand up, but uh, I mean, I'm he wasn't a dick too dickish about it. He was kind of. I don't blame him for thinking that, but I mean, I'll I'll say this after talking to him that Wednesday during the media day, and then looking at speaking to him after you know the fight and stuff, and <clears throat> he's definitely taking it serious. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. Like uh, I think they they want to get a, a something going in January or February for him, and I wouldn't be surprised. But he said he doesn't want to fight that guy again because because of the vibe he got off of him. So I don't know if that's something that translated when you're watching it. Well, I mean, it was, it was the second low blow and, and arguably the third, the first one Garrett complained about and the ref told him to keep fighting. He said it was in the thigh, but I mean, it's close. When you start dealing with the inner thigh with a guy throwing a knee at you, that's six foot five, 270 pounds. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of room for play there. Um, the last one looked devastating. I mean, it was straight up. I, I mean, I don't, I get what Hager's saying because that's mm-hmm. kind of the way these fighters go about it nowadays is they just, uh, I don't want to say blame everybody else, but essentially they blame everybody else. I mean, the bottom line is he, he had been warned already for one. He threw the other one. And then the one, like I said, the very first one. So I don't see that. I don't think he should have a rematch with the guy. Um, but if I'm Anthony Garrett getting paid, probably what he's getting paid, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep getting up from low blows and, and fight a monster like Hager. I did mm. agree with you on the striking. I didn't think there was anything too spectacular there. Um, I, a big heavy striker probably would have put him down pretty easy from what I saw. But then again, it, against a well-known striker, perhaps he doesn't even uh, dance around at all and, and, and goes for an immediate takedown. So yeah. that was that. I just kind of mentioned that because uh, that was kind of a, you know, the, I feel like last time you were there for a double header, you had the Karatanov Mitrion thing. So kind it's of like, was like, like okay, here like, we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like ball kick city in Mohegan sun. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. The, uh, the fight, the, well, the fight that stood out to me, uh, the performance that stood out to me was Phil Davis. 
Um, I thought he looked tremendous against Carl Albertson. Um, Albertson making his Bellator debut coming from Ryzen. Uh, I thought Davis looked great, as good as yeah. I've seen him in, in a long time. Um, his Penn State wrestling teammate, Ed Ruth, I was disappointed with, and I was shocked at the decision. Yeah, um, a lot of people were. Okay, I was curious about what the in-house uh, in-house uh, reaction was. I mean, I know uh, Jackson got uh, – I don't think he got a really good reception, if I remember in the interview, but uh, I thought he clearly won the fight. I thought, if anything – I mean, it was at bare minimum twenty nine, twenty eight, and I thought he probably almost won thirty, twenty seven. I didn't, I didn't see any moment where Ruth really uh, did much to put Jackson in any trouble. No, and, and so I don't know if you saw. Uh, they didn't give me access to their social handle, so I was live tweeting from my own account, and I said that um, I said one of the things I saw happening was that um, uh, Jackson. Jackson was hitting him a lot, but he was walking backwards as he was doing it for a lot of his, I guess that was, that, that's his version of counterpunching and stuff. And um, that one of the things I said was, I hope this walking backwards doesn't affect him in the judge's uh, decision. And, and that's what it looks like ha- happened. Um, but the in, like you said, the in-house crowd, I mean, the boos were loud. People didn't like it. I mean... Um, it was one of those ones that even Scott Coker was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. But uh, if you know anything about Scott Coker, he doesn't like to score fights because he's the old school martial arts guy. I mean, obviously the finishes speak out for him or dominant, dominant performances, uh, much like, um, like you were talking with Phil Davis's fight, which was uh, one of the at the end of the weekend when uh, we spoke when he addressed us at the media, he said that the someone asked him. Of all the fights from both days, which is the one that stood out most to you? And he said, Phil Davis. Yeah, I thought he looked great. Um, and then getting back to Ruth Jackson, I think the I think the easiest thing for Coker is just to run that one back. Um, why not? It was a good fight. Uh, it just makes sense to run it back, get Ed Ruth more experience, and mm-hmm. give him a chance to really earn a victory um, it, it, without any controversy. Uh, the main event, Frank Mir, Roy Nelson. Uh, you know, I, I think if I go back to our picks, I think I picked Nelson, but uh, I did too. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I'll ever do that again. I I think he's no. officially <laughs> uh, he's officially uh, folded up the tent. I don't see him. He has no aggression uh, in any of his fights in the last anywhere near recent memory. Uh, he's not even trying to throw the big hail mary punch anymore. Uh, I I don't know what his I don't know what he's trying to do out there. I mean I. I don't know many heavy. I don't know any fighters he actually beats if he fights the way he fought that night. I know mm-hmm. Mir had a smart game plan, and it wasn't the most exciting fight. He did a bunch of low leg kicks and, and kind of maybe threw Nelson off his game. And yeah. props props to Mir for fighting a smart fight, but mm-hmm. God, Nelson didn't bring anything to the table that I that I noticed. I don't know if it's. it's I mean, I don't know if I, I agree that it's that he didn't bring anything to the table. I think it's more the. To me, it was more of along the lines of he. Um, that the first if if you watch the post fight pressure i was the first one that asked I, I pointed out the leg kicks to mirror and he gave a complete breakdown of because of of that overhand right knowing that i mean they know each other really well i don't know if you saw the the pre or post fight interviews i did with them when i was out there but one of the things they both said cuz they they know each other super well i mean they have a long 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 history competing against each other and training together and stuff so um 
that was the, the that was the one thing that Mir took out, out of uh, what he knew about him, and it worked, was chopping away at the lead leg because, you know, when you throw an overhand right, you're transferring en- energy from your rear leg to your front leg. So if you can't c- catch yourself to snap the power, you know, that's why he attacked that leg like that. And uh, it, it looks like, I mean, it was right away. If you saw, those are big boys too. When he kicked that leg, how, how far out it, it made uh, Nelson's leg go. Um, I don't want, uh, from talking to Nelson, I, I <laughs> and if you remember the last time he was kind of pissed the last time he fought in, in Uncasville and, and at Mohegan Sun and lost, he like stormed out and cops were like mad at him and stuff. Cause uh, he caused a ruckus in the locker room or whatever it was. So, uh, maybe if, if, if they're going to do something with him again, maybe like let him fight out by you or something or fight anywhere, but Mohegan Sun, because it's like four, three or four in a row at Mohegan Sun that he's lost, and it's like, it's kind. Of, I, I, I actually one of the things I asked him, I was like, "Do you think this? Do you think the arena's cursed?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's an Indian curse." <laughs> like, and um, I mean, you know, maybe in his own mind, it's just not not the place for him to fight. But uh, so if, you, if when these guys are done, they'll say they're done. That's one thing I've learned watching these fighters for that stay on for so long. But Frank Mir's definitely not done. I mean, he's obviously training smart. He looks great, and um, you know that was like you said, it was is a smart way to fight someone that 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 you know that their their weapon is is that overhand right. Yeah. Now, props to Mir for getting the win, and um, I mean, he needed a win first first win in Bellator, um, so good for him. Um, yeah. I again, I I'm not trying to be disrespectful to to Nelson. I just. He just it just seems like he's just not there. I tell you um, what, I felt so bad when he left, uh, you know, because we can if you ever watch any of those post fight scrums that that I upload from the ones that I go to the left of that off screen is where as we're doing that, the losers are leaving like they're walking out. And Roy Nelson, uh, he had his leg wrapped up, but he walked out on his own. And I just felt so bad because he was going up the escalator. He turned around and he and he just had this look of like what the fuck with this place? Like his hands on his hips. And he was just like, like, you know, I felt bad for him. I mean, uh, um, but I, I can't disagree with you. That, I mean, if you look at his fight with, uh, Ayala, I remember that was that, that was Javi Ayala fight was his debut, right? Yeah, that was here. He won that fight and that was here in, in Los but, Angeles. And he won it, but it, it was still like, we were all looking for the same thing. Like you said, we were all looking for that aggression and that, 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 that finisher punch. And, it's like he never really threw it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit more frustrated with kind of his game plan. I mean, he lost to Mitrione a fight where at the end of the fight he was taking Mitrione down, if I remember right, and dominating. This one, he didn't go for really a takedown until like 10 seconds left. And when he finally did, he slammed the hell out of Mir and had him down. I just, I, I mean, I just got to wonder a little bit why, I mean, again it's not easy to get a takedown early in a fight. I, I understand that, but it just seems to me like maybe that's more the strategy yeah. that, um, but I'm not an MMA coach and I'm not, I'm not Roy Nelson. So I, I mean, it's hard for me to, to question their, their strategy, but it just didn't, it's something just seemed off. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that wrapped up Friday night. Saturday night was kind of the, uh, the, the main event of events for the, for the weekend. It took an extra day, but this event started off with a no contest as well. Uh, the uh, Kimbo Slice Jr., uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr., yeah. uh, Craig Campbell fight. Uh, well, they, initially, 
Was, yeah, they just over, they just overturned that yesterday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It took it took an extra day or two, but uh, that oh, okay. we started another event off with a no contest. Initially, it was ruled a 38 second KO uh, by elbows and punches. Uh, the commission overturned it, uh, calling it a no contest, saying that Ferguson landed too many shots to the back of the head. Mm. Um, doesn't really change a whole lot, really. I mean, might have cost Ferguson. Uh, well, I don't know if he had a win bonus or not, but uh, he 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 knocked the guy out. Yeah. There was a shot to the back of the head. We, we get that, but I don't think it really does much to hurt him. Um, he'll move on. Um, got, got, you know, to walk the cage and, and get a first time back in a year. Uh, Manny Murrow picked up a split decision win over Nick Newell. Um, I, I tend to agree with the decision. It was a close fight. Uh, I think Newell won the first, Merle won the third. The second round was the one that was up for debate. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the local crowd there didn't like the decision. Uh, what no. was your What was your take from media? Was most of the people on board with at least being a, yeah. a fair decision? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of us most of us are objective, and um, it was. I mean, you got to call it like you see it. I mean, I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe. Um, Actually, I mean, he did well in Bridgeport. He got that first round finish. I don't know if if it's if uh, he underestimated um, his opponent or what the case was, but um, you know, obviously as the fight went on, uh, it looked like he lost a little bit of steam. So I don't know if he had some kind of adrenaline dump or something. But um, you know, uh, it, it, it was a decision loss. It's not like he got finished or anything like that. But um, there's definitely to me there was signs of like. Uh, like he lost whatever, whatever, whatever gusto he had in the first round and going in and all week, because um, he was super, he was super focused and ready to go all week. I didn't see anything that would make him go off, so I, I can only assume it was like an adrenaline dump. But um, I, I mean, I th- he really worked hard on a couple guillotines, and I think that that just, I think it took it out of him. Yeah. Um, I think he gassed his shoulders and just gassed himself out. I mean, he had yeah. it in deep in that. I think it was the first round. He had it in yeah. really deep up against the cage. And I mean, I thought the fight was over. We've seen Newell uh, win with that choke several times. Um, and I. Himself out and, and it finally caught up. Uh, Merle fought a good fight, um, showed a lot of heart, you know, Newell's when you, when you start, I mean, he's fought some good competition in the past, but you fight this good competition. Eventually, you know, you let fights go to decision. You're going to lose some, some really close decisions. I mean, that's just mm. the, the nature of the game. I think yeah. we'll be back. Uh, Bellator will have him back. Obviously he's a big fan favorite. Oh yeah, absolutely. Out, out there on the East coast. Um, and, and a good one for Moreau puts a, a name on his resume. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of harm done. Um, I mean, obviously Newell wants to keep winning, but uh, I, I don't, I don't see it as a huge uh, detractor from the, the future of his career. Um, Patrick Mix in the next fight looked great. Sulu of stretch. I uh, don't think I've seen that since the beat and uh, uh, Aljamain Sterling pulled that off at a uh, Bellator or no, I'm sorry, at a UFC event, uh, maybe six, seven mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, looks great. Moves mm-hmm. to 12 and 0. I think that makes him like 21 and 0 or something like that. If he had his amateur record in. Yeah. Uh, he was saying that actually afterward. I mean, he, he's looking for, uh, you know, he said he, he told me, uh, and he hinted afterward. I mean, he'd like he'd like to get at Horiguchi. He knows it'll play well, and he thinks he can give him uh, a challenge. So, 
I mean, they definitely need to start. Like you said, the number, one of the things Scott Coker said when he was talking about Jake Hager, he was like, I want to see these guys. He's like, I think 10 is a good number before we start pushing them. But he already beat um, Ricky Bandejas, who was uh, someone that was, that's highly ranked at Bellator, uh, title contender and all that stuff too. So I think uh, that Patrick Mix is definitely main card fighter. You know, he he needs to be main or co-main and, 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 I mean, if, if whatever plans they got, I know they have plans for they're going to announce for next year's like Grand Prix and stuff outside of the women's thing. He was hinting at um, if Patrick Mix can be a part of something, maybe get on that rising card. I yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to see him fight Archuleta uh, at 135, uh, maybe set one. up, a, maybe set up a number one contender fight there for Horiguchi, because I'm assuming Horiguchi is going to have something to do with rising. Uh, over New Year's here, so uh, maybe you have those guys fight um, heck in Japan, or maybe next January. Um, I'm not sure where Mix is from. I know Archuleta is a Southern California fighter, so the January Cyborg card would make sense and put us out a few months. Mix uh, obviously didn't suffer much damage in he's, this first round fight. He's from New York, but he trains out of Jackson Winkin. Okay, so so, so yeah. he's uh so he's not far from Southern California. I mean, he's on this side of the country, so yeah. I mean that would that would make some sense. Um, but he looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy who looked great, Paul Daly. Uh, he fought show's friend Syed Awad. Um, unfortunately for Awad, he suffered a, a second round knockout, but it was a hell of a fight. Um, yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Act, he didn't fight like a short notice fighter. That's for damn sure. No, I mean he always brings it. You know what you're getting with Awad. Um, I mean a, a year ago, year and a half ago, he was in heavy, getting heavy into title content, uh, con- contention, um, yeah. and then he. Uh, He's on a skid now, but he's fighting some tough fighters. Yeah, uh, taking this one on on short notice. Uh, Renan's, you know, the Gertz fight was a toss up um, that didn't go his way. The Yamaguchi fight just uh, made a mistake against a great grappler. Um, you know, these things happen. He's gonna he's gonna keep on fighting, keep on making money, and putting on great fights for Bellator. Yeah, yeah he had some nice moves too in that fight. I mean, not for nothing. Uh, I think Bellator already put together the elbows back and forth that both he and Daly th- hit on each other, and that was uh, super creative on his part to throw that elbow from the turtle. That yeah, oh, that was <laughs> yeah, he hit him hard too. Yeah, that was a good one. But uh, but Daly, uh, one of the most powerful strikers, pound for pound in the history of the sport, uh, put a huge left hook on on Awad and and sent him reeling down hard. Um, Daly's a beast. I'd like to see him fight Korshkov. Uh, next um i I think that i you know maybe roar i think i posted i'd like to see rory versus uh rory versus larkin uh amazon versus lima daily uh daily korshkov kind of set up another little tournament well Uh, uh, if you saw i spoke to him before the fight that he didn't do any media afterward even though he won but he's uh i i directly asked him so scott coker said at the media day on wednesday that uh, Lorenz Larkin gets the title shot against uh, Lima, pretty much, because Lima's the one that I know we're, that's what we're going to talk about next. But so he said he's he's up up next for the title shot. And uh, when I asked Daly about it, Daly just flat out said he's like, "Well, I knocked out Lorenz Larkin, so I think I think I, 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 that's argument enough for me to get the next shot." And um, you know, but uh, so I would if if Coker's using the Koreshkov Larkin fight for that, then what you're saying makes sense. Make uh. Koreshkov and uh and uh Daly next. Yeah, I mean I guess I'm looking at it. Uh Larkin is coming off three wins in a row. I, I kind of forgot that. I mean he started off his, his run in Bellator basically uh 
you know, with a title shot. So, mm-hmm. and then the loss to Daly. So yeah, he beat Fernando Gonzalez, Pascu, and, and Korshkov. I mean, he's he's earned his way back up the ladder. Um, yeah, I, I guess that it's a it's a it's a rematch from the the New York fight uh, at Bellator One Eighty or Bellator NYC, but. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a good fight. I just, in my head, I was thinking of some, you know, I think Korshkov daily sounds like fun to me. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then Lima and, uh, I was thinking Amosov. I know he doesn't have the names perhaps that some of these other guys have, but he's 22 and Oh, um, I thought that might be a good, sh- you know, give him Lima and just, you, you kind of have a chance to create a new star. If Amosov wins that fight, then you got a 23 and Oh champion. Um, made some sense and then like i said if rory's still gonna keep firing away uh rory and uh and lorenz larkin sounded like a a interesting matchup so there's a lot that can be done obviously bellator is uh is loaded but that gets us to the main event i kind of jumped the gun there but uh Mm -hmm. new champion douglas lima uh basically a whitewashing of rory mcdonald uh fought a tremendously smart fight uh didn't allow himself to be taken down and uh, I think established himself as as one of the top welterweights in the world today. Absolutely, we uh, first thing we discussed over at Sure Dog, you know, at the end of every weekend, we we do like a rankings chat, and um, that was one of the things people were saying, like it's time to it's time to start putting this giving this man his due, um, you know, fighting through that tournament and and then uh, uh, avenging the loss to McDonald. You know, I, I I put up the picture of him with his two belts and his his glass of uh, not so great champagne and, and a million dollar check. So uh, yeah, man, definitely uh, somebody somebody people see, need to start recognizing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've recognized him personally lately. You know, the last few years as, as oh, one of yeah. the top guys, and he's obviously. I mean, if you follow Bellator, he's been at the top of Bellator for a long time now. Yeah. Um, going back to the tournament days. Uh, but uh, uh, hey, this win uh, over McDonald's huge. Yeah, let, let me ask you this. Excuse me. If he uh, fights Ben Askren again, does he win? I think so. If he fights Ben Askren, I uh, yeah, I would favor him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, that brings us to the results from <laughs> UFC Singapore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Ben Askren suffers a uh, third round rear naked choke loss to Damian Maya. In a uh, in an interesting fight, um, I'm not one of these people that's going to hate on Askren. I, I know no. a lot of people, and I know you're not trying to do that. I, I just uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it we we say it all the time. The MMA fans are so fickle that they they're quickly ready to start destroying fighters when they lose a fight. Yeah. I um, it was it was it's an interesting thing. We didn't know where Askren's striking really was because he never had to use it. I think after this fight, we realize that his striking is pretty much non-existent. He has a little bit of dirty <laughs> boxing, and yeah. he can land some stuff, but not against a good striker on his feet, he's in big trouble. Well, I mean that it, it was telling, it was telling to me, not just in the fight with Lawler. Obviously, I mean, it, it, people like to to kind of like act like that fight didn't happen, but you know, you got like Masvidal, and there's other other fighters that are saying he's technically zero and three in the UFC because of the whole, you know, bulldog choke stoppage thing. But um, I think that was a Herb Dean thing that you were kind of mad about too, right? I mean, I know you're always mad at Herb Dean, but. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I 
yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was questionable, but yeah, but uh, so, but I'm, I'm the point I'm trying to make was so like really leading into the Masvidal fight. There's there's uh he did that um open during open workouts. You can still find that video online too. When uh, the guy holding pads for him was holding pads for him to hit and throwing counter shots, his pad holder was hitting him more than he was hitting pads. And then, like you said, I mean, if you look at I had to have an argument with somebody on Monday when I got back, actually, um, about they were like, oh, uh, Askren was winning on the scorecards. And I was like, whose scorecard yours? And I was like, no, because uh, I mean. Uh, Damian Maya, who's not that, I mean, he's, he's got a boxing coach, but you could see, so who, tra- you, you, like you said, you can tell who trained more with, the, or, or who was better at it between the two of them. I'm not I, like- I, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was one, one going into the third. I gave Maya round one and I thought Askren won round two. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't get to see it. I was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, I woke, I set my alarm, woke up, uh, early a couple times to catch a couple of the fights, but, um, I, I don't know. Uh, Askren ended up in a, in a grappling exchange a couple times. He ended up getting mounted once he got his takedowns. Um, Maya's no joke. We know that. Uh, we know Maya has a history of fighting at 185 pounds uh, prior to his drop down. So he's, he's a bigger 175 pound. He's a lankier guy. He probably had four or five inches on Askren in height. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to fall into the thing of, you know, I see, I see people online and some of the talking heads saying, Askren doesn't deserve to be in UFC. He's not a UFC fighter. He's not worthy. He's not worthy. He's not worthy. Here, here's where I stand. I don't think he beats many of the top seven or eight guys, but I think he beats everybody from about nine to a hundred at Walter White just by using his wrestling. Um, and, and I think, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think that um, perhaps he had it too easy for the a big part of his career where he didn't have to use, get any striking down. So it never was something that he needed to completely focus on. He was mm-hmm. able to dominate with his wrestling. Um, I think now, I mean, Maya turned out just to be a terrible matchup because we learned his striking was, was rudimentary. And then you can only take Damian Maya down so many times before you get caught, especially in a five round fight. If yeah. this was a three round <laughs> fight, uh, essentially Askren would have been a minute away from winning the fight. If my judging was right and he was one, one and he gets the takedown and he's, you know, but he gets reversed. He ends up on the bottom and he ends up giving his back and getting choked out. So, I mean, he was, it was, it's just one of those things. I just think fans are, are idiotic when they start uh, going back and trying to figure out if guys are this good or that good. We learn kind of where he's at against the top level competition, the, the top shelf guys in the world. And, He's probably not a. He's not. He's not likely to be a world champion. But again, um, well, yeah. I mean, I I think it has to do with his timing too. Like maybe if he maybe if he he maybe if he got in the UFC when he initially, you know, when this the whole thing with him and Dana White started, you know, maybe back then he could have he could have he, he it wouldn't have been this way. I think because don't forget he was technically sort of retired when this trade thing happened. Yeah. So, so when you're when you're if you're in your especially someone like him, if in his mind he was done, and then the opportunity came and he took it because it's something he kind of wanted to scratch off of his competitive bucket list, then maybe it's because of the time he's coming in and the level of competition he's coming in against now. You know, because as you and I both know, the sport the sport evolves and moves past a lot of guys. I mean, usually 
when we start seeing it, it seems to be happening more and more. But the guard's been changing. I feel like the guard's been changing more frequently within the last five, ten years. You know, than 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 uh, like generationally when you look at at the way the sports evolved. So. Yeah, no, um, I get it. I guess yeah. my frustration is the people that are saying he doesn't deserve to be in the UFC or he's a, he's a washout are the same people who are telling us Justin Gagey's a bum after going one and two to start his UFC career. I mean, things happen. Fights yeah. are fights. There's matchups. There's styles. Everything. It, nobody in the sport goes undefeated. It just yeah. nobody does. I, I, I mean, you know, maybe someday somebody's going to retire undefeated. There's a couple guys who, who who got some good records right now, but you lose, you lose fights. And if you challenge yourself and you fly halfway across the world to fight one of the best grapplers in the history of the sport, and you're a wrestler, there's a chance you're going to get choked out. And I mean, it just, it's just one of those things that happens. So again, I I mean, I, you know, I I think it would be, uh, I think it would be idiotic to not think that he's a top 20 Walter Wade in the world. Now that's not what we, some of us were sold on um, or wanted to think, but it's the reality of it. If you know, if he's if he hangs around twelve ranking for the rest of his career and makes some money and wins five more fights in the UFC, you know, it is what it is. But one, I just, one thing, it just bugs me when I see fans uh, trying no, to no, yeah, dissect people's careers. I hear you completely. I mean, I'm 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 a hundred percent with you on that. Uh, one of the good the pluses for him, I think, coming out of it is like he admitted being overconfident with every with up to up to this point, and maybe that I mean, you know. That's one of the things that uh, that's one of the things in in in, in martial arts that 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 in true martial arts is uh, at like uh, absolute martial arts is supposed to humble you and help you recognize uh, stuff like that, you know, and it looks like he's recognizing it. And I think maybe maybe he just goes and, and gets a boxing coach and, and works on his hands to get one more in. So he doesn't so he doesn't walk away from the sport, you know, with two finished losses like that yeah well we're starting to run long on the show but we need to definitely get uh get through some of the main card here for ufc 244 the huge madison square garden event this saturday night live on espn plus pay-per-view uh loaded card no title fights which is a is a a rarity for a uh, pay-per-view there is Uh, a title there is a title. That's right. Um, it's just not the traditional title we're used it's to. It's not the traditional one, and one that if it was happening in another organization, fans would be calling them Bush League. But, uh, <laughs> well, we'll just uh, stick with that. But anyways, the main card, um, what, uh, well, actually the top six fights are, are pretty awesome. Uh, Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker. Uh, Anderson 12 and four Walker 17 and three Walker kind of the, uh, the hot ticket right now at light heavyweight, um, after some, uh, awesome finishes, Corey Anderson, the, uh, light heavyweight contender, uh, more wrestling based guy, uh, might, I, I kind of, I would like to see Walker win because he's exciting, but I see, uh, Anderson grinding this fight out, uh, taking Walker into some uh, deep water and using his wrestling and uh, and pulling out a maybe unspectacular decision win. You know what I mean? It is New York with uh, with the, the odd outcomes New York had does have a history of having. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But um, I think Walker. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Walker takes it. To be honest with you, that's a uh, long down the road. Though that's a more popular fight to to make, especially with uh, you know the the class they're in and. And John Jones complained about not having people to fight. 
I, I, I would like to see uh, Walker more against John Jones more than Anderson. So it's maybe it's maybe it's just my my wishful thinking, but I'm going with Walker. Kevin Lee, Gregor Gillespie, uh, Lee seventeen and five, uh, up at Walter Waite. Uh, been on a little bit of a skid lately against Gregor Gillespie, thirteen and zero. Lightweight at lightweight. Uh, Lee coming back down to lightweight after after unsuccessful at Walter Waite. Uh, interesting fight. Uh, two really good wrestlers. Uh, I'm going to go with the undefeated Gillespie. I haven't seen anything in his game yet that leads me to believe that uh, a guy like Lee would give him trouble. Uh, but, uh, you know, Lee did have Ferguson mounted uh, in the in their uh, interim title fight a couple years back. But I'll go with Gillespie uh, again, probably by uh, uh, I'll, I'll say late third round stoppage uh, when Lee when Lee starts gassing out a little bit. Yeah, I really can't argue with you there. It's funny you mentioned the Ferguson fight because uh, when I looked at the matchup, I, I was immediately going to pick Kevin Lee, because, and it, that's the fight that made me think about doing it. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he seems to be one of these guys that that uh, would probably benefit from a 165-pound weight class. But, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Next bout's a big heavyweight clash. Derek Lewis, former title contender, uh, going for the heavyweight title against Cormier, faces Blagoy Ivanov, the former World Series of Fighting, heavyweight champion. Uh, Lewis 21-7, Ivanov 18-2. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I'm going with Ivanov. I think he'll be a little quicker. I think he'll manage to avoid the knockout, which I think is really what Lewis uh, is, is obviously his go-to. Uh, I think Ivanov's got a good enough chin that he'll uh, he'll use his boxing and his striking to be able to frustrate Lewis, and I think he'll uh, he'll be able to to get through uh, three rounds. I don't necessarily uh, see a finish. Um, I think he's just going to use his boxing, get through three rounds, and and uh, win a unanimous decision over Lewis. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm with you there, Ivanov. I've uh... Uh, thinking about their their best fights, I remember when he fought uh, Josh Copeland, and uh, I was just surprised with his durability. He seems to have brought that here to the uh, to the UFC. And um, as much as Derek Lewis is a fan favorite, uh, Ivanov is not somebody to sleep on. I, I think he can take whatever Lewis dishes out and give him back some enough to to get a victory. Stephen Thompson, fourteen four and one against Vicente Luque, seventeen six and one. Luque on the win streak. Thompson, uh, not so much. Uh, coming off of his loss to Anthony Pettis uh, from this past March in Nashville. Tough fight to pick here. Uh, I know Luque is kind of the popular pick right now. He's shown some power. He has not faced the competition that Stephen Thompson has, though. Mm-hmm. And I think T- Thompson realizes that uh, this is a fight that he must win uh, if he's going to continue to fight and have a career basically in the UFC, uh, not for talent wise, but because the the latter will become immense uh, with a loss here. Uh, I see Thompson using his uh, distance and uh, picking up a win again. I hope there's not a whole night of decisions, but uh, I think Thompson's able to uh, outsmart his opponent here. Uh, keep his distance, play it a little safe, use his kicks, and uh, and pick up a victory. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know he lost uh, that fight. I mean, people bringing up that last loss he had, but 
I really do think, uh, I mean, he was winning up until that happened. Um, and I think part of it was because, uh, he stepped away from what's been working. I know, I know, uh, he had mentioned it when we had him on the podcast and, and he had mentioned it in other interviews with local, uh, uh, South Carolina, uh, newspapers and stuff that he wanted to try to turn up his aggression. And, um, I mean, that's not what brought you to the show, man. So if you got to go back to what, what, you know, got you fighting Tyrone Woodley and stuff like that and, and, and use your distance and play it safe. Like, like you said, um, maybe he can get a, get a couple of liver shots in, in on Luke to drop him Like he did, uh, what's his name back in the day. So, um, I'm, I, uh, I, I'm concerned like you, it's hard to pick, but, uh, I mean, and he's technically, you know, he he's uh, by association he's a New Yorker because of his his uh, relationship with Weidman. You know, he's married to Chris Weidman's sister, <laughs> so so I think uh, I think he'll do all right. I'm, I'm picking Thompson too. Co-main event: Kelvin Gastelum, eight sixteen and four, uh, coming off of his fight of the uh, year candidate against uh, Israel Adesanya uh, versus Darren Till, coming off two. Rough losses in a row. Uh, Till going up to 185. Uh, two former Walter Waits, actually. Uh, Gaslam's had a few fights uh, successfully at 170. Um, I don't know. Another tough fight to pick. Another great fight. I'm going to go with Gaslam by KO. Uh, I think he gets inside of Till, checks his chin, and, and catches him uh, about halfway through the fight. Uh, with some big hook. Uh, I think that'll kind of, you know, unfortunately that might kind of put Till uh, in a real tough position, but uh, that's the way I see this fight unfolding uh, when I just look at it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100%. This is uh, Till's first fight at uh, 185, and uh, I mean, there's a reason why he was sh- sort of strong at 170. I know, I know that he's moving because of the losses, but um, if Kelvin Gaslam has showed you anything, throughout his career, especially with the fight you mentioned against Adesanya, it's that uh, you're going to catch some hammers. And, um, yeah, I, I have a feeling uh, it's the same. Pretty much like you said, I'm, I'm taking Gaslam on this one. Main event, uh, Nate Diaz, 20-11 and 11 versus Jorge Masvidal, 34-13. and 13. Uh, Man, another toss-up fight here. My my heart says Masvidal, but my brain's telling me Diaz. We know mm. what we're going to get with Diaz. Diaz is going to come out. He's going to throw his strikes. He's not going to gas out. Uh, it's a it's a five round fight. Uh, Masvidal historically in his career um, has had some ups and downs. Uh, some fights where he didn't kind of show up. Um, I know he's on a huge roll right now, coming off huge two huge KO wins. Um, so like I said, my heart wants to go with Masvidal, but my brain's telling me Diaz, and I'm going to go with my brain for this one. I'm going to say Diaz wins a decision in a uh, in a bloody, you know, striking bout. Uh, I don't see much grappling in this fight. Um, again, I'd like to see Masvidal pick pick up the win and and continue his momentum, but I think Diaz pulls this out mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a fairly close fight. Yeah, you mentioned the records and um of uh, the bulk of uh the bulk of uh I mean they've both lost mostly by decision when they lose, but I, if I'm if I'm looking correctly, I think between the two of them or if I'm remembering right because uh 
Uh, I'm actually working on a piece of why I think um, Diaz is going to win too. Um, I don't know where I'm going to submit it yet. If it's either going to be on SureDog or, or MiamiMMAnews.com, but um, Diaz's body type, it's a uh, ectomorph, and uh, I wrote a whole thing uh, uh, years ago on Medium about it. I shared it actually on Twitter today if you want to read it. But um, it, it just the the matchup because Diaz was one of the people I mentioned, and I used one of the gifts. That body type, those long, lanky guys, is him, John Jones, Anderson Silva. If you look at all those guys that have that similar weird, lengthy build, they just uh, they seem. To, I I think it's a an, an advantage when it comes to just uh, their that mixed up with their skills. I think that's just an advantage that Diaz has. Um, as far as their losses, uh, I mean, um, I think. If I'm remembering right, I think from the bulk of their losses, Masvidal, Masvidal got submitted uh, maybe twice early in his career. The thing is, they're they're so much better now, like which is what makes it a toss up. I mean, they're both super durable. Um, they haven't been finished in a while, so I don't see a finish happening. But if a, someone's going to lose by decision, I I just I see it being Masvidal too. I think Nate Diaz. The thing is, it's in New York, though, so they don't really recognize. You know, New York Commission acts like mixed martial arts just fell out of the sky since, uh, you know, the ban got lifted in 2016. So uh, apparently nobody's ever watched an event but <laughs> until they started holding them there. But uh, with that being said, I mean, I'm with you with Nate winning. I, I think he can pull off a decision win. Um, I don't see him... There's, I don't see any flying knees or, or hard overhand rights dropping, maybe dropping him but not finishing him. Um, and Masvidal would probably be overzealous that if he does hit him, I, I see Masvidal if he does drop Diaz, I see him coming in to try to get the finish because he wants a finish, and Diaz can likely catch him in some sort of submission with that aggression, especially if it's early and they're dry, no one's sweaty yet, so. Um, at least, at least to get the uh, the uh, put him in trouble. So yeah, I think uh, it looks like me and you are on the same page for a lot of these. Yeah, I think we're uh, six for six on our picks. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Um, should be an interesting, uh, entertaining weekend though with that card. So fans can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, at Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram, myself at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter, at Carbeerzal on Instagram. Ed, I'll talk to you. My birthday's this Sunday, so uh, I'll be uh, I'll be enjoying the fights and uh, and relaxing on my birthday. So until next week, man, I will uh, I'll talk to you. All right, man. Uh, well, you have a happy birthday. Throw some back for me. <laughs> I will for sure. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, Thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe... uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.